Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Random Song Encounters in 2024. Hope you all uh, were able to enjoy the countdown to the new year with family, friends, loved ones, uh, and had a great time. And hope you were able to avoid killing too many brain cells in the effort. <laughs> this week, uh, we're casting our net of influence out again from Mesa, Arizona, after a brief stop, uh, leaving Sedona, stopped back at the at the uh, main SoCal enclave uh, for the New Year's celebration, and now we're back in Mesa uh, for a couple of days to, uh, you know, uh, get ready for another venture into the wilderness that we'll talk about next week. Uh, in any case, uh, we've got an absolutely fabulous set of tracks lined up for you to kick off our inaugur- inaugural 2024, episode 23, that we're calling High Times. High Times because, hey, 2023 is over, it's 2024, a new year, a new time, you know, everything's new, um, let's make the most of it, make it uh, a great, great year, and celebrate high times in the process so let's get right to it we're going to start off segment one with a high octane sonic track from the cult here you go
Well, your CD collection looks shiny and costly. How much did you pay for your bad moto goosey? And how much did you spend on your black leather jacket? Is it you or your parents in this income tax bracket? Now tickets to concerts and drinking at clubs. Sometimes for music that you haven't even heard of. And how much did you pay for your rock and roll t-shirt that proves you were there, that you heard of them first? Now, how do you afford your rock and roll lifestyle? How do you afford your rock and roll lifestyle? How do you afford your rock and roll lifestyle? smash at the end of another show and how long will the workers keep building him new ones as long as their soda cans are red white and blue ones and how long will the workers keep building him new ones as long as the soda cans Completely with some brand new components now. How do you afford your rock and roll lifestyle? How do you afford your rock and roll lifestyle? How do you afford your rock and roll lifestyle? All right. That's a, that's a great 
set of tunes to start off 2024 in segment one of our uh, episode 23 of Random Song Encounters. Love that set uh, of tunes there. Let's go back to the beginning. Start off with uh, a great, great track. Maybe my favorite song by The Cult out of the UK, uh, Wildflower, from their 1987 LP, Electric, which was their third LP. They formed in 1983 and were originally called The Death Cult. But uh, they decided to change their name uh, for... They wanted to avoid... uh, they were kind of getting into this label of being a goth band, and they wanted to try and avoid that and try and gain a broader appeal in the industry and with the fans. So uh, they, they shortened the name and got rid of the death piece and just became the cult. Uh, since their inception, they went through several lineups changes before uh, uh, getting to a, a baseline group that, the, that was around for a while. But uh, lead vocalist Ian Asbury and guitarist uh, Billy Duffy have been the mainstays as well as the band's main songwriters. So uh, uh, both, you know, as I keep talking about, you know, iconic vocalists and Ian Asbury definitely falls into that category. He's just got a great, great voice and and uh, you immediately know it's the cult when, when you hear him sing. Um, but he's just got that get great, great rock voice and, and a great delivery. And then Billy Duffy is, is just an awesome guitarist and, and just a, a legend uh, in the uh, alternative and, and rock genre, as it were. <laughs> uh, for this specific album, Electric, they uh, searched out and, and got uh, producer Rick Rubin, who we've talked about before, uh, to, and brought him in to, to help them remake the band's sound uh, kind of uh, again, moving from that kind of goth rock sound on prior, prior records to more of a hard rock. Uh, you know, try, uh, they're trying to capitalize on the you know the '80s and and the hard rock, the glam and the heavy metal popularity that that was going on in the '80s. So they wanted to make sure they were they were staying in in time with in in the with the times and 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 moving forward so they brought him in to to do just that and rick kind of went back and and started uh you know he would bring the band in and and play them songs by acdc and led zeppelin uh, and use those as kind of benchmarks to try and emulate uh what they wanted to do in in you know uh, bringing their sound forward um this particular song is supposedly is, is Ian Asbury kind of adopting his rock star alter ego he called Wolf Child, which is referenced in the song, which is an overindulgent rock star indulging in, you know, liquor, drugs, and women. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what he said, uh, you know, where he used to turn when uh, he stopped, you know, uh, being, uh, you know, when he went off on, on a tangent. He would go to become this wolf god, child alter ego, uh, and then uh, you know, which was you know good and bad. That uh, became a bad issue for a while in the band, and and kind of created uh, some strife. And I think they actually separated for for a while uh, while he was getting himself together. And then they got back together, and they're out there, and they're strong as ever, touring and and ma- still making great music. And 
just a great, great, great band and a great song. After that, we heard Fugitive by David Gray out of the UK from his 2009 LP, Draw the Line, which was his eighth LP. Uh, he began his career in 1993, uh, where he started to develop a following in the folk rock circles. But it wasn't until like 2000 that he got his first taste of some major success from his song Babylon, who some of you may know, and an associated album called White Ladder. Um, this particular album was recorded in David's home studio, uh, or his own studio that he owned, not at his home, uh, while he had a, he was unsigned to a record label. Uh, the studio itself had been previously uh, owned, belonged by, to uh, the Arrhythmics. Uh, the song itself is about hiding yourself uh, uh, and hiding from life. And the, he had uh, stated that the title and the lyrics were supposedly inspired by an image he had of Saddam Hussein being pulled from his spider hole. So there you go. Uh, whatever works for you to, to uh, spark uh, those inner you know, brain cells from from uh, creativity, uh, go for it. Um, after that, we went blues, and you know that's that uh, sound and that voice as well as ZZ Top out of Houston, Texas, and their song Just Got Paid from their second LP back in 1972 called Rio Grande Mud. Uh, they formed in 69, 1969, and for 51 years, uh, they consisted of the same three band members, Billy Gibbons, guitar, Dusty Hill on bass, and Frank Beard on drums. Uh, unfortunately, Dusty passed away in 2021, and, but uh, you know, as one of his dying wishes, uh, he wanted to make sure that ZZ Top's longtime guitar tech, a guy named Elwood Francis, was to take over his spot as basis in the band. He said he knows the stuff, he's ready to go, plug him in and and make it great. And uh, that's just what they did. And they're they're continuing to tour out there with Elwood on bass and uh, Billy and Frank are still uh, cranking it out. And uh, you know, just a great great band. And uh, they're they're really great to see live. Uh, the original band had a different bassist and drummer. In the beginning, uh, but they left. Uh, they both left the band after the release of the first single that they put out, and hence uh, Dusty and Frank were brought in and joined immediately after uh, they had played together in a prior group called the American Blues. Um, the band name comes from Billy Gibbons, uh, and they were living in an apartment that the band was sharing, and that they noticed that a lot of the performers, you know. Uh, uh, had initials in their name, uh, like BB King, and, and there, was, there was there was another guy, ZZ. Can't remember his name, but ZZ something. But they all had had some kind of initials in their name. He he kind of liked that idea of using initials. So his first thought was combining, you know, BB King and ZZ Hill, and uh, that he saw on posters that he had posted in his in his apartment and using the name ZZ King, but he thought that was too obvious and decided to, and, and ended up with ZZ Top instead because he, he swapped King 
thinking that, well, king is at the top. He's the ruler. So I'll use top, ZZ top. <laughs> that's supposedly where the name came from. So, yeah. Uh, you know, that's, it, it's just amazing how some of these uh, people come up with these band names. But, hey, whatever works for you. And it's, uh, it's stuck, and it's a great, great name. And um, they're obviously known for their live performances. They also, you know, in their lyrics, they have a lot of humorous lyrics and, and satirical lyrics, and, and which are, are, are great to hear. And then, uh, of course, as they evolved in the, the 80s, they had those great matching, you know, outfits between uh, Billy and Dusty, you know, with the hats and the beards and the and uh, the matching guitars and the, the twirling matching guitars and so on and so forth. But uh, uh, back to the album, uh, the only other uh, comment I had is just in case you wondered, which is kind of pr pretty obvious, uh, the album was inspired by the Rio Grande River. So there you have it, ZZ Top. And then, last but not least, in that particular segment, we had Cake. Not the food, but the band Cake out of Sacramento and their song Rock and Roll Lifestyle, which I, I really dig. <laughs> so Cake is a great, great band. Who doesn't like their cake? Uh, and it's off of their 1994 LP, Motorcade of Generosity, which was their debut. They formed in 1991, and they're known for their sarcastic lyrics and deadpan vocals, uh, along with a wide range of musical influences, which you can hear in all the different songs that they put out. And their, their musical taste is all over the place. That particular, particular track is a prime example of, you know, your typical, your typical cake uh, uh, song. The band doesn't refer to food as you might think though. Uh, the band name doesn't refer to food as you might think. Excuse me. Instead, it's a reference to, you know, when something gets stuck like to the bottom of your your foot, you know, like, you know, or, you know, you're caked in mud or something like that and you can't get rid of it or when something is like insidiously part of your life. So it's it's more of that reference instead of the obvious references to uh, having your cake and eating it too. Um, this album in particular was self-released by the band uh, before they had a record deal, but uh, due to its success, uh, it led to the getting them a record deal uh, uh, pretty quickly following its release. Uh, the cake is still out there. They're touring. They're releasing singles. Uh, they've hinted at a new album for a while, but uh, nothing's been confirmed, at least through the end of last year, so I'm not sure where that's at, and hopefully we'll hear some new music from them in 2024. Uh, and that's pretty much all there is for segment one. So let's jump right into segment two, 2024. Happy New Year, and we're going to go all the way back to 1967 and a track by The Birds.
Yes, indeed, it's the right time. Uh, let's get right into it. That song is called The Right Time by a brand new band called Overpass out of the UK. Um, it's a non-album single, and as a matter of fact, they haven't released now. Met. They've only released singles to date. Uh, it's a brand new 2023 track, uh, so from last year, even though very recent. Uh, they're a four-piece band out of Birmingham in the UK and, and out of that scene and are continuing to evolve and they're becoming known for their anthemic uh, guitar music, much like, you know, the editors. If, if anybody, if you know the, the editors out of the UK, it's very similar. Uh, that, that particular track, they sound a little bit like Arctic, Arctic Monkeys. But a little more, like say, a little more guitar sound to it. Uh, they're, they're, like I said, they're they're a relatively new band coming out of the pandemic. And another one of those young bands started in the pandemic, and uh, you know, bad timing. But uh, and they've only been uh, able to release singles to date. But they do have a a pending EP uh, that's coming out and likely due in early 2024. So. Uh, Look out for them. Uh, uh, great, great music. Uh, this is a, a really great track and uh, uh, overpass. So check them out. Uh, before that, we heard a band out of Canada called April Wine, who who I really liked back in the day. Um, they never got a whole lot of love. They got a little bit of love in, in, in the U.S., but they were really, really popular in Canada, where they're from. Uh, the song is called Say Hello. 
from their 1979 LP, Harder, Faster, uh, which was their eighth. And they formed in 1969 back in, uh, out in Nova Scotia, of all places. And it's another one of those, you know, get, uh, we keep running across these, you know, uh, uh, family acts. This is another one, two brothers, David and Richie, and a cousin, Jim, all with the last name Herman, uh, formed the band along with a, a vocalist and guitarist that they knew from back in the day called, uh, named Miles Goodwin. Uh, they got a record deal uh, after sending a demo tape to a record company in Montreal, I mean, Nova Scotia. Uh, there, there's no place to, you know, to get a record deal, let alone to perform in Nova Scotia, especially back in 1979. So they, like I say, sent off a demo tape to Montreal, went and visited the record company in Montreal, and after the visit, they were, they talked him into giving him a deal, and off they went. Uh, like I said, uh, a lot of success in their native Canada, but only moderate international success. Although this particular album, Harder Faster, did go gold in the in the U.S. Uh, when it was released, um, they released their last studio album in 2006, uh, but. Since then, three of the band members, in, at least in the last 10 years, have passed away. So uh, I think uh, we're at the end of uh, the April Wine era. But uh, if, you, if you check them out there, they have some really great music and uh, really enjoy them, enjoy them as a band. Prior to that, we uh, heard an Australian band called Models. Uh, and their song, Out of Mind, Out of Sight, back from 1985. Some of you may, have, may know it. I don't. I, I hadn't heard this song in almost you know 30 years, I think, and and just ran across it again. and was like, oh crap, need to put that one out there. This is this really great track. So it's again, it's, uh, their fourth LP, also called Out of Sight, Out of Mind, Out of Sight, but the reverse of what you would normally the, the old saying, Out of Sight, Out of Mind. They formed in 1978 uh, by their singer and guitarist Sean Kelly. And went through, as, as does happen when bands are evolving and just getting started, uh, getting things into sync. Uh, they went through several lineup changes, and they actually ended up, they had the, the, the funds to be able to finance the recording and release of their own first LP so they could retain uh, creative control. Uh, and this, as it turned out, was their most successful album, and this, this particular song was their most su successful single. Um, little tidbit to go along with this it's tied to some prior episodes they were in the process of breaking up early on uh, before this album came out and uh, they got an offer from our friends Harry Vanda and George Young who we talked about in prior episodes a couple of times uh, they were in the Easy Beats they ended up producing a lot of the Easy Beats tracks and they also produced a lot of the early ACDC uh, albums as George Young was one of the brothers young uh, from ACDC. Uh, so they got a hold of the band, uh, had heard some stuff from them, and they wanted to help them out, so they offered to cut demos for them uh, just to get the word out on the group. So the group pulled back together, decided not to uh, to uh, disband and, and charged on. And then uh, eventually, though, they finally split in, uh, I think, in 1988. Uh, they had one final goodbye tour, and off they went into the sunset, but uh, still a great tune from the models. 
And then prior to that, we did a little garage psych rock and a great, great track called You're Gonna Miss Me uh, by the 13th Floor Elevators out of Austin, Texas from their 1966 LP, The Psychedelic Sounds of the 13th Floor Elevators, which was their debut. They formed in 65 and were together until 1965. And they were the first band, supposedly, to refer to their music as psychedelic rock. As a matter of fact, I think they are credited with penning the phrase psychedelic rock. So there you have that little bit of tidbit of information. Um, the band name came from a suggestion by a couple of the band members. Well, one of the guys said, hey, you know, I like this word elevators. We should incorporate or call our band the elevators or incorporate at least the name elevators into the band name. Um, one of the other guys said, hey, okay, uh, let's call ourselves 13th floor elevators because, you know, uh, that number in 13th floor in high-rise buildings and hotels and any kind of high-rise building is always skipped of any reference to the 13th floor. So they said, that's a cool reference, let's use it. Uh, in 1966, they kind of got their their start or their big break and by, as a producer that had heard them, it brought them, decided to bring them to Houston to cut a couple of singles, one being this particular track, which got released, got some traction, and off they went. But down the road, we, we mentioned they, they broke up pretty quickly in 1969, they ended up with some drug and legal problems, uh, which left the band, you know, in turmoil and, and uh, potential, you know, uh, prison time in some cases. And at the end, they decided to call it quits. Uh, you know, they put out some great music in a short period of time, and in the end, they've influenced countless, countless bands with their psych rock style. So there you have it. 13th floor elevators, check them out. And back at the beginning of segment two, we heard, of course, The Birds uh, out of LA and their song, My Back Pages, off their 1967 LP, Younger Than Yesterday, which was their fourth. They formed back in 1964, three years earlier. And the same, 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 same story. Uh, member changes, this, that, and the other thing, and, uh, They've had to, even beyond that, they've, they've had lots of turnover in the band with um, the only constant being frontman singer Roger McGuinn. Uh, they went through even several name changes before landing on the birds. Uh, they started as a folk trio called the Jet Set with Roger McGuinn, Gene Clark, and David Crosby, who well, you all know Crosby, Stills, and Nash fame. And he joined Crosby, Stills, and Nash after leaving the birds. Um, they started, you know, they had a mutual love, the three of them, uh, of the Beatles, and so they started, you know, uh, doing Beatles songs and also, you know, and also Bob Dylan songs, you know, doing this kind of folk uh, trio harmonic sound or uh, amongst themselves. So uh, they even briefly changed their name to the Beefeaters after the jet set. Uh, trying to cash in on uh, the start of the British invasion craze. Uh, 
their love of the Beatles went even so far that they decided to get similar instruments to what the Fab Four played uh, in their band. You know, the Ludwig drums and the same guitars and same bass, so on and so forth. So it just they were just you know incessed with the with the Beatles. Uh, they finally landed on the name the Birds. Uh, Roger McGuinn, M McGuinn was um, all about this uh, theme of flight, uh, hence the jet set. And you know, so he, in the Birds, he w kept that theme of flight. And they also deliberately misspelled Birds using the B Y R D S spelling instead of the typical P B I R D S to match what the Beatles had done with the misspelling of the Beatles, uh, you know, using the B-E-A-T instead of the B-E-E-T, which is normally used. Uh, this particular album, uh, Younger Than Yesterday, uh, was integrated in a more psychedelic and jazz-influenced sound into the music that they had been progressing into a, a album by album up to that point. Um, the album title, Younger Than Yesterday, is, is taking a lyric it, from a lyric of this particular song, uh, and it talks about, I was so much older then, I'm younger than that now. Uh, and the song itself is another one of several Bob Dylan compositions that the birds continued to cover regularly. They, I think they had covered four or five or six Bob Dylan songs uh, in prior albums before this one, and they even talked about, hey, we're doing this too much, we want to concentrate on our own stuff but they decided to move forward with this particular uh, track uh, on the album and it became a huge success. So there you go. We've uh, ran through segment two, having a great time. Hope you got those resolutions made for the new year. Stick to it. Uh, maybe one of them is to continue checking out this podcast. In the meantime, let's move on. Segment three is still ready to roll. We're going to start off with a song from 1983 from the Polecats.
Oh, God, that was good. Uh, <laughs> that's an awesome way to close out segment three. We just ground that episode at the end into submission and the new year into submission. See how easy that was? We now control our destiny into 2024. Uh, and it was just that simple. Back to the beginning of the segment. We started off with a little light-hearted romp by the Polecats <laughs> called Make a Circuit With Me out of the UK. Their 1983 LP, Make a Circuit With Me as well, and which was their second release and an EP at that. Uh, they formed in 77. as a ro- another one of the rockabilly groups uh, coming out of, coming into the 80s and the rockabilly revival. Uh, the group was originally called Cult Heroes. Uh, but they uh, had a whole lot of difficulty getting gigs uh, in the rockabilly circuit with a name that sounded a little too punk. So uh, they define, finally decided to go with the main name change, and they arrived with the Polecats, and off they went. Uh, they got their first, first record deal in 1979 and released a couple of singles uh, before being able to get their first down mount in 1981. Um, This track comes from, uh, I talked about the EP of the same name, but the EP was was mostly produced by our friend Dave Edmonds, who we've played and talked about before in a couple of prior episodes. Uh, And the group continues to work together and release new music the last thing, uh, last released was in 2008, but they're they're still out there floating around. I just love this, you know, the, the the way this song comes together and the whole thing about the electricity thing and the diode, cathode, electrode, overload, generator, oscillator, make a circuit with me. This is a great, great track, fun tri- front track to listen to. Just love it. So after that, we went way back to 1969 and Tommy Rowe out of Atlanta and his song Dizzy off the same LP name, Dizzy, his eighth LP. Tommy got his break in 1960 uh, with the recording of his first hit tune called Sheila, some of you may know. It was a regional hit uh, back in the day until he re-recorded it in 1962, uh, changed changed it around and made it sound more like a Buddy Holly track with... Uh, kind of the repeating drum beat and the Buddy Holly type vocals uh, and that really drove it to a whole nother level and uh, became a huge, huge hit for him and uh, you know started his career off in a big way. Uh, he was actually, once this thing became a hit, uh, his, his record company asked him to tour to promote the hit, but at the time, you know, he, he had a great job working for General Electric and he was reluctant to give that up to go, you know, pursue this record thing and, you know, wasn't sure if it was going to pan out and then didn't want to give up, you know, uh, the good gig that he had. Uh, but eventually uh, the record label was able to persuade him to, to go on tour uh, as they gave him like a $5,000 advance. So uh, that was uh, money talks and BS walks and, you know, off he became a rock star. Uh, the song was a number one hit in the U.S. for four weeks, and the album, but the album itself 
is essentially a compilation of hits as they did a lot back in the day uh, you know they would uh, release a bunch of singles and then put them all on a and combine them all on a on an album as a compilation uh, uh, he had four other hits at the time in, not including Dizzy uh, so uh, he released this LP included all five hits and a, and a, and a couple other tracks beyond that uh, He's only released one LP since 1977, but still toured around. And then uh, finally, as of uh, 2018, announced his formal retirement from touring. So congratulations on a great career, Tommy Rowe. After that, we went crazy with Tony O'Kay out, out of L.A. and his really cool track, The Funky Western Civilization, off his 1978 LP, Life in the Food Chain which was his debut. Uh, his real name, of course, is not Tony O'Kay. It's Vladimir Stephen Krikorian. Uh, he took on the mon moniker of Tony O'Kay as a reference to writings of Kafka and Thomas Mann. He can kind of combine those names to come up with the Tony O'Kay reference. Um, this album, when it was released, got huge uh, critical acclaim. They, they were hailing you know him as uh, the American angry young man, uh, kind of evolving from you know what the UK had with Elvis Costello and Joe Jackson and Graham Parker, uh, and he was also hailed as like the funniest, serious songwriter in America. Um, the album itself uh, had a lot. He he was able to pull together a lot of all stars to help him. Uh, uh, put this album together. He had uh, Earl Slick, uh, famous rock guitarist Dick Dale, and famous blues man Albert Lee, among other, I think, uh, Garth Hudson also, also was involved. So it was really a, a, an all-star effort to put this thing together. Um, the song itself, as well as the album as a whole, uh, is, says a lot about failings of our culture at the time. And, uh, you know, as well as uh, the abuse of wealth, collapse of values, and the abuse, the emotional abuse of uh, love at the end of the, of the century. Um, back in the 70s, before he, he went on this solo gig, he actually cut two LPs with Buddy Holly's original band, The Crickets, uh, before going solo. You know, and, but over the years, uh, since this, you know, this big high he had, I left this album, um, he's gradually withdrawn from performing and concentrated on writing songs for other writers. Uh, I love the love the little phrase in this particular track. He talks about just because we're hypnotized doesn't mean we can't dance. Hey, uh, from there we went to a song by a guy named Calvin Love from Canada. His tune "Magic Hearts" from 2012 LP, his debut called "New Radar." Uh, he started off uh, in a punk band at the age of 13, as so many of these folks do, guys do, or gals do, and then uh, relocated to L.A. out of Canada and started just touring, uh, touring dive bars and clubs, and as well as playing in various L.A.-based bands to just keep the money coming in so he could uh, uh, stay afloat. Uh, the album itself 
contains a whole range of influences that he's had from the 50s through the 80s, you know, a lot of synth-related stuff, as you can hear in that particular tr track. Uh, and then uh, Kelvin actually has mentioned that this particular album, New Radar, is like a perfect album for night drives, and, and in general, he tends to write travel-related music. So there you go. If you're looking for some travel music, check out Calvin Love. See if you like it. And last, to grow, close out the first episode of 2024 in grand style, uh, that was just a, a great way to close the, the first episode, if I might say so myself. We heard Misery Loves Company by Mike Ness out of L.A. of his 1999 solo debut called Cheating at Solitaire. None of us have ever done that, I'm sure. Um, Mike Ness, of course, if you don't know him, you should recognize the voice, is best known as the frontman for the L.A. bass band Social Distortion, uh, which was formed back in 1979. Uh, he had, you know, been wanting to work on a music career and finally dropped out of high school. Uh, it's the same year in 79 to focus on his musical career. Um, and from that time forward, Social Distortion uh, had released five LPs prior to him uh, uh, coming out with his solo effort. Uh, it was a, the, the solo, this first solo LP is really just, you know, he's always had this big uh, love of country music and it, this, this particular LP is, is really that, a big expression of that love of country music influences. And he's got a lot of guest stars on this deal, uh, Brian Setzer. From from uh, and Billy Zoom from uh, X, Josh Fries, the, guitar, the drummer extraordinaire who's been with tons of tons of groups. Um, currently is the new drummer with uh, uh, Foo Fighters, as a matter of fact. Uh, but this particular track, he's got Bruce Springsteen working with him on guitar and vocals, uh, and Bruce. Apparently has has been a long time fan of social distortion dating back to the '90s. I I think the story as the story was Bruce was a fan of social distortion before social just before Mike Ness had ever listened to Bruce Springsteen. So uh, yeah, that's a great great uh, collaboration there and a great great track. Uh, unfortunately, Mike's uh, been had a, a tonsil cancer scare back in June of this year. And he had been going through some radiation therapy, um, and he's expected to make a full recovery. And you know, hope he's doing well. Wish him the best. Uh, hope to hear from more from him and Social Distortion in the future. So there you have it. Let's close the episode out. The first of 2024. How cool is that to lavish? Yes, we're lavishing in the first podcast of 2024. And just imagine, only 51 episodes left this year. <laughs> and as usual, thanks for listening in and hope you continue to do so on a regular basis. Again, wishing you all a happy new year and reminding you 
keep sharing all this good stuff. Catch up. We're going to catch up with you all again next week for episode 24, our second of the new year on Random Song Encounters from an extra special remote location. Till then, enjoy and see ya.